Church, how you doing today? Y'all doing all right? Man. For those of you who may be visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, my name's Stephen and I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to start off today just by saying something that I believe is very biblical. I haven't found it yet, uh, but I think I will upon further study. Daylight savings time is from hell. Anybody? Um, straight from the pits of hell. And if you like it or maybe it doesn't really affect you, it's because you don't have little kids. Okay? Uh, it has been a, an interesting morning. Uh, I've got uh, some, I need to get some collagen under my eyes to kind of pick everything up and work, but no, super glad that you're here, uh, and especially at the early service, so give it up for yourself, that's a pretty big accomplishment today. <laughs> Thanks for being here. You know, if I haven't had a chance to connect with you personally, I'd love to do that. As a matter of fact, right outside this exit door to the right, as you leave today, there's an area called the guest suite. Uh, me and members of our staff team and serve team leaders, we kind of loiter around that area. We would love to help you take your next step here. We say this a lot here at Vintage Church, but church is more than a place you go to. It's a spiritual family you belong to, and this is just part of that. This is just one piece of that. And so we've been in this series for quite some time called I Will Build My Church. I started thinking about um, this actually several months ago as we were preparing this message and I thought of all the times to come out of the last couple years uh, to maybe need a little bit of adjustment right, or an alignment, I thought it was this time. You know, have you ever driven a car uh, and the, balance, the tires were not balanced or it was out of alignment? Anybody ever done that? Like you hit something, you hit a pothole you didn't see, or maybe you overcompensated and pulled and hit a, hit a, hit a curb, and, and all of a sudden it's like you're still getting somewhere, but it just feels like something's kind of off. There's a little more vibration, you know. Uh, people at the tire store will tell you that if you don't balance your tires or align your car uh, regularly, what happens is you have undue wear and tear. And, and we've had a lot of bumps over the last couple years, you know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but the church, you personally, I mean, we just had kind of bumps in our culture and our society, and I thought going into this new year, what a great time for the church, which is the light of the world. It is God's answer to everything dark in our world. What a great time to just, you know, get a little tune-up, balance the tires, just kind of get realigned on what the Bible says uh, the church is and is supposed to be about. Our key verse for this, uh, this series is Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and Jesus says, now I say that you are Peter... Uh, and a, uh, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church in all the woke powers of hell. I'm sorry, I put that in there. I'm sorry, I'm in there. This is, this is the Bible. All the powers of hell, all the, the dysfunction, all the problems, all the controversies, all the issues that we deal with, they will not be able to overcome it. This has really been the focus of our entire series. I think a lot of times, especially as believers, I know there are lots of unbelievers looking to the church in this season. I can't wait to kick into Easter and go fishing. Come on, somebody. It's going to be fun. There's lots of people who are looking at things that used to just be enough, but when pressure came, they realized it wasn't enough, and they're looking to the church. There's also Christians that are also looking to leadership and asking questions like, like how do we kind of navigate our faith? What does this look like practically? That's really what we've been talking about um, this entire series. We've learned all kinds of things. Uh, we, we learned about church hurt, uh, how churches don't hurt you, just hurt people in churches hurt people. Come on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We all have a little bit of that. We talked about how to deal with offense, the importance of uh, belonging to a church, not just going to a church. We've talked about why, uh, about seeing the, what, what is happening around us. We talked about the power of prayer, which is really how to, how to talk 
to God. We talked about worship, how worship is not just the songs we sing, that's part of it, but it's also the life that we live. And today I'm super excited to jump in. We're going to talk about a church that listens. You know, if you think about listening, it's almost like the second part of prayer. You know, a lot of times we like to talk. I I was thinking about um, about this. I was in a small group uh, years ago with my wife and we were sitting there and it's always difficult for the pastor to go to a small group. As you might imagine, uh, he's, they, they tend to ask him questions and they tend to, by the way, um, if you're interested in leading a small group, we're going to need a lot more of those. We have a small group leader training. I think we have a slide. Uh, yeah, that was not planned at all, but you guys need to come. Okay. It's tonight actually. And we start and start our small groups with our message series. And so it's not a lifelong commitment. You can do one series and take a break or you can go ahead and do the training and then wait to be able to do it. We take everyone through this and where we just practically teach you how to launch and lead a small group that people actually want to attend. And so I was actually attending a small group that because I was there, I don't know many people wanted to be there, you know? And, and so I'm there, and we're asking questions, and, and, you know, I thought it went really, really good. I really thought it was good. I got in the car with my wife. She's with me today. She, can, she knows I'm not lying. She says, true. This is not just to promote small group leader training. This really happened. And, and I, I'm driving, and I just looked at her. I said, honey, you know, I felt like it went really good. Like, how did you think that went? And she says, yeah, it was good. It was good. And I could tell she was hesitating a little bit, hedging a bit. And I kind of pushed in a little bit. Like, what do you mean? Like, what, why are you hesitating? She said, you just talk too much. I was like, well, I'm a preacher, baby. <laughs> you take away my voice, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. But isn't that like us sometimes? We have a problem, we have situations. And even with God, we're always the ones doing the talking. We're always the one talking, and yet the answers don't actually come from us talking. They come from us listening, learning the different ways that we can hear God's voice. So I want to start off with this question. How many of you Like, you need an answer from God in some area of your life. Maybe you're at a crossroads with your family. Maybe you're at a crossroads with, your, with, with a business or maybe a you know, professional life. I know mean, we have lots of military folks here. Maybe you're looking at a career change. Maybe you're looking to get out. Okay, we did that in 2020. DD214 was like my favorite form of the whole army. Come on, somebody. I'm an army wife. My wife was in. I wasn't. But, but, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, when, when your spouse is in, you're in too. It's like... I told her commander one time, I was like, you know, I don't work for you, right? You know, anyways, I thought it was funny, but maybe you're at a crossroads in your life. Maybe you're just, you just need to hear God's voice in some area. I believe that if there was ever a time as we round out our series this week and the next week, we're going to talk about a church that lasts. Then we're going to go into Easter season and we're going to really empower you to get some people here to, to, to hear the gospel and to really engage in spiritual family. But I believe if there was ever a time, if you're in a place like that, where you lean in, Maybe download the app, follow along with the notes. Maybe maybe just ask God, like, what's the one thing I could get today? What's the one thing I could hear today that would make the biggest difference in my life? We're going to teach you how to do that. This is actually what makes following Jesus different than not, is you and I serve a God that not only listens, but also speaks to us. God's always speaking to his church. But he teaches us that we relate to him in a very different way than the world relates to him as believers and as a local church. John chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, he says this about how we relate to him. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Because they know his voice. 
Now, to the modern reader, when we look at this, we kind of miss some of the nuances. I don't know how many of you are sheep farmers. Is anybody a shepherd and your sheep farmer? Like, this is a massive metaphor in how God leads people, by the way. Um, uh, pastors and leaders, they're, they're, they're shepherds as well, but we're under shepherds. Jesus himself is saying, I'm actually the great shepherd. Relate, relate to me the same way that sheep relate to shepherd in the natural. So I'm going to give you a little lesson on sheep farming. Is that good? Is that good? Can I do that? Sheep raising and herding. Okay, what would usually happen in the ancient times, this is the audience he's talking to, they would have immediately understood what they were saying because there were lots of shepherds in that day, and they were based on a sacrificial system of, of offerings, which was, uh, followed the calendar, and so they would have been very in tune to, uh, to agriculture and to, to farming and, and, and herds, herdsmen and all that. And so, you know, what would happen was uh, you would have 10 shepherds usually that would be in kind of in a group, and they would call everybody into the sheepfold, and every shepherd would have about 100 sheep. A hundred sheep that, you know, they would lead on their own, but there were times where they would all come together. And then when they were ready to go out again, the shepherd would kind of stand up and start calling his hundred out of the thousand. And because of the relational connection that the shepherd had with the sheep, they would hear his voice or hers or her. There were actually lots of female shepherds as well. Shepherdesses, I guess. I don't know how to say that. Okay, shepherds with dresses, I don't know. But anyways, there were them, there were those two. And they would call him in the sheep and know them. Jesus is saying, this is how you should relate to me. And I want you to think about this because I, I kind of want to contextualize it a little bit for you. How many of you know, like, like literally my wife was, was coming into service and, and there are times where I can be at the other end of the commons. Usually I'm at the opposite kid's end. She's usually over there, I'm over here. And I can hear her voice so she can hear my voice and she can knows I, know I entered the room. Even though there's all different kinds of things and voices around, there's all different, but they just know your voice. Uh, how about you parents? You know that you're teaching your kid to do what? To hear your voice. Like, they're, like listen, my kids, the older, the older ones, like, they know what the tone of my voice means and what I expect when they hear it. I can walk into a room and they can hear me having fun. They can hear me, okay, it's good, we got more time, we can still play. But when I call them, okay, and then I call them again, and then I drop my voice, all of a sudden they show up. That's a lot like what Jesus is saying here. And so if, if Jesus is always speaking, if that's what makes him uniquely God, and we have a trouble listening, why is it that we struggle so much with listening? One of the main reasons why we don't hear God is because we're distracted. That's just a fact. We are so, I believe this, the devil cannot overcome the church, but he can distract us. He can get us focusing on things that don't matter. He can get us going down rabbit trails, right, that, that end up wasting our time and inhibiting our ability to hear what he wants us, hear what God wants us to do. I believe chronic noise may be one of the greatest impediments to you and I growing spiritually. The average person studies show, check their phone, 81,500 times each year. That's once every 4.3 minutes, which means that many of you will check your phone eight times before I even finish this message. And that, I'm, it's okay, I'm not going to judge you because I'm going to assume you're taking notes. I'm going to assume you're on the app. I'm going to assume you're registering for the small group leader training. I'm going to assume a lot of things. I won't tell you what my dad taught me assume means. But anyways, <laughs> the truth of the matter is we are so tethered to those devices that many of us just don't make this, the place and the space to connect with God. I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of wish my whole life had a do not disturb. You know, like the do not disturb, you have do not disturb on, but then they can, they can bypass it with two rings. Or they can hit the, I want this to go through anyways. 
You know, we think that this busyness is like a, an issue of the modern world. And no, no doubt, I mean, even in other cultures, when you go visit other cultures, Americans are seen by other cultures as like complete workaholics crazies. I mean, I think we just, we just work. But, but anyways, I, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with work, okay? But this is not new. There's a story in the Bible about two women who uh, loved and followed Jesus. Matter of fact, they would help, uh, they would help the, uh, the, the early church really get established. You might remember their names, Martha and Mary. Anybody remember that? And you have this story, right, where you kind of have two ladies and they're, they're doing this kind of party. You know, you have one's a party mom, Martha. Not what I'm talking about. Come on. And the other one's kind of like a, like a party goer, man. I'm just like a 100% present. I'm the party mom. My wife is the 100% present. And, and, and what's happening is Jesus is like teaching about the new kingdom and, and, and pouring in. He's speaking. And one is so busy with preparing. One is so busy with entertaining that she doesn't hear what he says. While the other one is completely tuned in in that moment, surrounded by a lot of things, but focused on the only thing that matters. And, 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 and this is what Jesus says, Luke 10, 39. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha was overly occupied and too busy. She was distracted with much serving. This is interesting because there was nothing that Martha was doing that was bad, right? Matter of fact, what she was doing wasn't the, wasn't the purpose, the point of it, right? Serving's a good thing, right? Being attentive to the needs of others. Hospitality is a big deal. People say that pastors can't be hospitable. They, they shouldn't be pastors. That's what they say, shepherds, right? Hospitality's not a bad thing, but in that moment, it was a good thing put in the wrong place. And, and, and Jesus goes on to say, Mary actually got it right. Mary got it right. <laughs> like, she was where she needed to be when she was there, and she made a place and space even amongst the busyness, to do the most important thing. And so, you know, I, I, uh, what I want to do for the next few moments, I have 16 minutes. I don't even know if I'll take them all. You're welcome. I might give you some back. You know, the devil stole an hour, baby. I might give you a few minutes back. Come on. <laughs> okay, but, but I think there's four ways that God's always speaking to us. And I don't think it's about, like, honing in on one particular way. You know, this series has really kind of realigned what we think about certain things, about how really... God is more interested in who you're becoming than just what you're doing. What you're doing matters, right? And, it, and, and they do go back and forth, but who you're becoming is even more important. And so for the remaining few minutes, I want to I talk four ways that God's always speaking in hopes that you would maybe realign and readjust into this next season. I don't know about you, but going into January, for me, it felt different than the last two years. It felt like there's something breaking. It felt like there's something coming. I will tell you for the church, that's absolutely the case. God told me at the beginning of COVID, this is a time to go forward. We're going to continue to go forward as a church family. And I believe God's also called you to continue to move forward as a believer, to continue to grow, to continue to take steps, to continue to develop the life that God's called you to lead. You cannot do that if you don't learn to listen. And you'll not know what to listen to or what stations to tune into if you don't know how God speaks. So that's what I want to do for the next few minutes. Four ways God is always speaking. The first way, we talk about this a lot. It is the primary way. It's the foundation of all the other ways. God speaks through the Bible. God speaks to the Bible. We learned about being a church that prays, okay, but reading God's word, is, it, it, it's, he speaks to us when, he read his God, when we read his word. Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You can think about this kind of like a spotlight. Has anybody ever, be honest, it's illegal, but it's fun. Anybody ever go spotlighting? You know, like, 
I know you only killed a coyote, cross your heart, you know, right? But you go spotlight, and, and what happens is everything's dark, and you get in a car, and you don't do this, it's legal. But you, you go through, and you have a big old spotlight that's like blinding, right? And there's things that you just don't see in the dark. But when you hit them, it's like they freeze, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a co- right there. Get the gun, you know, right? <laughs> you know, every one of you opened up saying, hey, there's something like that in my life. There's something, there, I, I need some direction. I need to see something that I don't see. I need, and I might even need in that moment, like, I need to, like, freeze so then I can get instruction from God. That's what God's word does. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all, everyone say all. Just because you don't understand it yet doesn't mean it's not inspired. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. Isn't that exciting? She just love that word. Nobody's amen in me. It's okay. It's okay. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Look, God uses it to prepare and equip his people, that's the church, his people to do every good work. You know, the word of God is not just for information, but it's for transformation. I recently read a study from the Center for Bible Engagement and they polled 40,000 people and they looked at their Bible study habits. And for people who read the Bible once a week, there really wasn't much of a difference in their life. For people who read it twice a week, it was a little bit better. And three times a week, it was kind of getting there. But when they, when they studied people who read it four times or more, I'm talking like less than 10, 15 minutes a day, four times a week or more, it's like all of a sudden the statistics went off the charts. They asked questions about loneliness. For those who read the Bible four times, four times or more a week, it dropped by 30% in their study. Anger dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 50%. 50%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing porn dropped 61%. Sharing their faith, however, jumped to 228%. You know what happens when you find something that works? And you tell everybody. For some of you, you haven't been working what works. And that's why maybe you've never invited anybody to church or you've never thought about sharing. Sharing's not supposed to be something that like a preacher just like guilts you into doing. It's something you naturally do because of God working in your life. Discipling others jumped to 232%. You know, Jesus' longest sermon, it's called the Sermon on the Mount and it's, it's in Matthew and it spans several, several chapters. And you know, they say an author's always known by their first book. In the Bible, this is called the law of first mention. The first time Jesus, like he's tempted in the wilderness and then Matthew 5, man, his first message. Meaning that it's like, it's, it's a foundational message for how the kingdom works. He talks about the Beatitudes and he talks about how to handle anger and lust and divorce and people who hurt you and how to deal with your money and how to pray and fast and your priorities and worrying and judging people and the golden rule, which we all love to quote at others, but so seldom live ourselves. But then the last verses of the Sermon on the Mount, look what they are. He closes it all. And the closing should be the best part. I don't know if it always is with me. I'm getting better. But with Jesus, it was the best part. And here's how he closes out that first sermon. He says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are a foundational word. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Did you know the Bible was, isn't just a book that's meant to be read? It reads you, right? It reads you, and you 
do it. The most foundational way that God speaks is through his word. Church, we have to get into his word. So much, I believe this so much. Our team last year wrote a 365-day devotional. We make it super easy. And it's by day, like one, two, three, so you can skip and still catch on. I want to encourage you. If you want to get into that, we want to make it really, really easy. There's some messages called Honest to God on our website that teaches you about some, some foundational areas. We walk you through the Bible, the translations, all different things. I want to encourage you. Pick it up. It's available at the Energy Bar. But if you don't get that, pick up a devotional. You know, get a study Bible. Don't think you have to know and understand everything. Just do something. Four times a week could change your life. Could change your life. That's a little over half. If I make a 60 on a test, I fail, but not in Bible reading. Come on, open up your Bible. The next way that he speaks is through his people. You guys might remember this guy. He's pretty popular in scripture. His name's Moses. Have you guys ever heard of Moses? Well, if you haven't ever heard of Moses, you've probably watched, you know, Charlton Heston, let my people go, you know, probably heard little stories, you know. Moses was a, was a, a pretty incredible leader, an absolute incredible leader. Matter of fact, God said a lot of things, like David's after my own heart, you know, Abraham walked with God. But about Moses, he said, Moses was my friend. Think about that for a minute. Moses was my friend. Most pretty, pretty, I mean, when you look at any scripture, I mean, all the way through from like, you know, the little river where he was fished out by Pharaoh's daughter, all the way through to leading God's people out and then establishing, which we're talking about on Wednesday nights, establishing Really, the moral law and code, putting it down, what every man already knew in their heart was right and wrong. He's a pretty incredible leader. And yet, even he needed people. Exodus 18, 13, this is a rebuke from none other than his father-in-law. Yes, men, sometimes we need rebukes from our father-in-law. And sometimes they're jerks, but we need to listen. Because they're older, and they didn't get that gray hair from nothing. They didn't lose that hair because of nothing. Look what he says. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. And Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people. He asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you doing all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? This is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. It didn't, he didn't just like nicely say it. This wasn't just like an email. This was like, a, you're, you're crazy. This is nuts. He says, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Look what he says. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. Now listen, I'm just going to say it's, it's probably safe to bet that Moses, like we're probably not as awesome as Moses was. But as awesome as Moses was, he finds himself in this situation after he's believed God, walked with God all these years, where he needed someone else to get him to the next stage. By the way, it wasn't just about him going crazy. It actually wasn't good for the people. Another reason why we do small groups, guys. One pastor is not going to be your answer for everything. Okay, at best, I might be able to meet with 20 or 30 of you a, a, a month and do, and do nothing else. Okay, but this is why we have small group leaders. This is why we engage you to get out of your seat and to join a serve team because in those teams and in those groups, you find a greater level of community. And in a family, not one person has the answer, but in the family, all the answers are there. Does that make sense? This is really, really important. God speaks through his people and we don't always listen well. Look what Proverbs twelve fifteen says. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man, what does he do? Listens to advice. My mama used to say, it's why you got two ears and one mouth. Come on. You should listen 
at least twice as much as you speak. And part of that is listening to God's word, but it's also listening to God's people, listening to God's people. The next way that we listen to God is through the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we're going to be teaching about the Holy Spirit a little bit later uh, this year, and it'll really help you understand the ways in which he interacts in a believer's life. Um, but the Holy Spirit's with the world, the Bible says, convicting the world of sin, right? Meaning you don't have to beat people with truth. They know the truth in their heart. You just have to be the light. Does that make sense, <laughs> right? And, and, and so, so he's with the world. The Bible says that there are times that he comes upon his people. But did you know that for every person who's given their life to Christ, they've surrendered their life. The Bible says you're born again. That is a function of the Holy Spirit. He's also called the spirit of adoption, meaning that you were once far from God, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that by the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, you and I are also raised to life in Christ. That's Galatians 2.20, if you want to look at it later. But, but my, the idea here is not only, this is one of the ways he speaks through his word. By the way, he only confirms the word. He only confirms the word, but it's so good because it's not just like, like the word to Moses. He shows you the word to Moses and how it applies to you. And what you're going through. The two words in the Greek are logos, which is the written word on the page, and rhema, which is the spoken application of that word through the voice of the Holy Spirit to your life. Now, for some of y'all, depending on where you came from and your theological background, okay, some of y'all are going, oh, is this about when it's going to get crazy? I saw them crazy Holy Ghost people. I, I can't stand that name. The Holy Spirit ain't dead. Why do you call him a ghost? But anyways, you're kind of crazy. You got these other side who are just kind of like, man, I, I, you know, I hadn't even heard about that. We're going to talk more about that. But you know that God will speak to you when you're in worship. I can't tell you how many times it happened today. It happened today. I've been doing better at listening. I'm not all that great at it, but as I've gotten older and I'm more familiar with God's word, I've taught it all these years, I've started to get better at listening. So there's sometimes I'll come in and I won't even have a plan for how I'm going to open or close. That's very uncomfortable for me because I'm a control freak. The Lord's walking with me in that. And there are times when I'm worshiping, right? There are times when I'm getting up early and I, I don't do it every single morning. But I'm hitting my 60%. Come on. And, 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 and in those moments, I'm reading a scripture and God drops something into my heart that I need to hear, but also maybe someone else around me needs to hear. Maybe you need to hear. It happened this morning. It happened this morning. That whole first intro wasn't even planned, but I knew that's how God wanted me to do it. And so that, what is that? That's the, that's the Holy Spirit. Romans eight sixteen. the Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our heart and tells us that we are children of God. Another translation says, reminds us reminds us of our standing with God. He reminds us, the whisper. By the way, the voice that condemns and shames is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of another shepherd, the one you do not want to follow. God's voice always reminds you, you know what? You know what? No, you're not there yet, but you're not where you used to be. Hey, you know what? Everything above hell is by God's grace. Hey, you're still a son. I love you. I, 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 listen, I got a plan for you. Don't quit is the voice you'll hear. That's the Holy Spirit. Because you know what the Holy Spirit says? If you don't quit, you can't lose. You and I are living a prequel. God's outside of time. If we just keep taking a step, we will get places further and faster that we could have only dreamed of. The Holy Spirit also helps us in times where we need to know which way to go. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says that the disciples were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Masia, which is somewhere by there, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Okay, in Christianese, it means I got to check in my spirit. That's what it means. And I don't want to teach too deeply on the Holy Spirit today other than some things. By the way, in the Honest to God devotion, I do a whole chapter before you get started where I talk about Bible reading. I talk about the Holy Spirit's role in helping you. 
But if you think about it like a traffic light, there are some things in your life that you know what you pray about, and it's like you didn't hear an audible voice, but you just got a green. It's just like this is good, right? There's sometimes there's a yellow. You're like, I don't know about all that. There's something there. I need to go slower. Caution. Pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Look around. Maybe something's there you don't see. And then sometimes the Holy Spirit will just say no. By the way, we don't like to hear no. You go through a red light, you might get, you might get away with it for a while, but eventually you're going to get T-boned. Come on. All right. All right. That's the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, though, God speaks through circumstances. God speaks through circumstances. You know, what you see in the natural is not all that's going on. Did you know God, this side of heaven, Jesus says, in this life you will have trouble, but I've overcome that. Have joy, because I've already taken care of it. Meaning that there's something about the circumstances or the pain that we go through in life that if we won't quit, we'll keep our eyes focused on Jesus, he'll actually redeem in our life. And, and, and sometimes as believers, uh, we don't catch the voice of God as much as we need to in circumstances. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, I, I hear this scripture quoted by believers, and they mean well. And I, Listen, that's great. But most of the scriptures that are quoted on, on uh, Instagram or Facebook, um, they, they don't really tell the whole story. It's usually like one, one part of it. There's this passage that says that, you know, if you, you have this little faith that you can say to a mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. I don't know about you, but... I don't know the utility of that. I believe that's a metaphor <laughs> where he's just saying that like if you put your faith in God and you believe nothing's impossible for you. Okay, and, and a lot of believers will take that kind of like, you know, just remove this suffering from me. Remove this suffering from me. Remove this suffering from me. And I believe God heals. I do believe there's times where he'll step in and supernaturally. We believe that in this church. I've seen it in my own life. I know it's true. Okay, but there's also times where instead of removing the mountain, he says, you know, nope, nope. It's like the country song. Thank God for unanswered prayers. You know what I mean? <laughs> nope, I'm not going to remove it because you, it has to make you stronger for what's next. And so if you'll, if you'll partner with me and you won't give up, you'll stay close to spiritual family, you'll stay close to my word, right? And you'll pay attention to what's happening in your life. I'll take you up that mountain together. We'll scale it and we'll come down and everything will be stronger. Uh, years ago, I went, and, uh, worked, I, I went to my first trip to Albuquerque, uh, there's a pastor on our board. He's incredible. He's coming down to hang out with us again this year, Pastor Steve Smotherman. And uh, I went to Albuquerque, and I wasn't thinking, but it's on the other side of the Rockies. And I just, I didn't consider the elevation. I just didn't consider the elevation. And so I get to the gym, and I'm like three exercises in, and I'm like, I, I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> Literally. And there was somebody wiser around me. One of the, it's actually the gym owner of that particular location. He walked over to me, saw my, he's probably seen this a hundred times from outsiders. You just don't think Albuquerque's higher than Denver. It's like over a mile. It's really high up. And, uh, and, and he came over to me and he said, hey, you're not from here, are you? And I said, no. He said, okay, well, how long are you here? And I said, well, a couple, more, a couple days. He goes, great. You don't need to work out while you're here. Just walk fast. And here's what he taught me, though. People who live in the mountains, they have a higher red blood count. Their entire physiology has adjusted to that. A lot of people who will run marathons or high distance, I don't understand it. I have friends who do marathons, and I think they need counseling. What are you running from? You really? Okay, but, but I'm not a runner, you can tell. So, but, you know, but, but they'll, they'll go and they'll train. Athletes will go train and do training higher elevations. Why? Because their body gets stronger. Their body gets adapted. So when they come back and they have that rush of oxygen at sea level where normal people live, right, they can go further faster. What if we looked at that mountain? What if we looked at 
the things that we're looking at, our circumstances. And, we, and, and you know, we had a can-do attitude, you know? I say this all the time. I'm like, <laughs> my team, I love this. I, sorry if this bothers you. I, I don't, if it does, you probably need another church. But, but I, 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 I tell our team all the time, and they're coming with a big problem, and all they're looking at is the problem. It's the problem. They see the mountain, and I'm just not wired that way through discipline over years. I just don't. I always know. You know what? God never gives us a problem that we can't, that there's not a solution ever. It may not be the solution we want when we want it, okay, but he never gives us something that's too hard for us. So I love reminding our staff. I'm like, are you an American or American? You know, come on. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But sometimes God will speak through our circumstances. Put that, we're right here. Thank you. So four ways. I want you to think about this this week. I want you to just, and focus in on one of these ways. God speaks through his word. We don't just read it, it reads us. God speaks through his people. What we're doing here is so much more than just consuming. It's growing up and growing together. God also speaks through the Holy Spirit, that whisper in your, in your heart that tells you this is the right way to go. Don't go there. Or that confirms or, or, or reveals something about his word to your situation. But God also speaks through our pain, through our circumstances. And I believe if we can keep our eyes open, right, God's always speaking this way we can hear him at a level that can take us to the next place. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Father, for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our spiritual family as you're really aligning or realigning. I thank you, Father, for the future. The future is great as we keep our heart, our mind, and our trust in you. Father, I pray right now, anybody in here within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, I pray, God, they would surrender their life to you. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're almost done. I believe the most important thing that we do at this church is we provide a consistent place and space for people who are far from God to come back to God or to start a relationship with God. Maybe you find yourself in here and maybe at one point you follow Jesus, but today you're not. Maybe it's not just a misalignment, you've driven your car off the road. If I was to look at your life, although maybe you made a previous commitment to Christ, if I was to look at your life today, it would be clear that you're not following you want that changed. Maybe you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've seen religion, but you never understood the relationship that Jesus wants to have with you. Maybe you've never given Jesus a shot. And as a result, you've tried everything else, but nothing's working for you today. You may need to surrender your life to him for the first time. Whether you need to start or restart a relationship with God, the Bible tells us very clearly what we need to do. It's not in our own strength, but it is in the power of our own choice to surrender our life to him, to get off the throne of our life and to let him step into it. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, from that place and space, you'll be saved. You'll be able to continue to take steps for it's with your heart that you believe and it's with your mouth, your free will decision to follow Jesus that starts the whole process. And as heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around. Listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to do any weird church thing. We're not going to do that. But I do think you need to be honest between me, you, and God. If you're in here today and you're far from him and you don't want to be, if you want me to pray for you, if that's you, would you just put your hand up halfway, put it right back down, just saying, I, I see you. I see you. I see you. Just put it, put it right back down. You're never the only one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The most important decision you will ever make is a decision to surrender your life to Christ. He knows you better than you know yourself. From the foundation of the world, he planned a purpose and a path for you to take. You will never find it and all the fulfillment that comes with it 
unless you surrender your life to him. Is there anyone else you'd say, Pastor, today I'm far from God, I don't want to be. Would you pray for me? Would you just put your hand up halfway and put it right back down? Is there anyone else before we change the order of service? I see you. I see you. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. Matter of fact, if you're in here and you love Jesus, all of our faith started or restarted at this place. We're going to pray this prayer loud so as to encourage the faith of those who may be praying it for the first time or the first time in a long time. But if you did raise your hand, I'm going to pray a prayer. And it's a prayer that's based on this passage in Romans. And it's essentially a prayer giving ownership of your life to God or back to God. And I want to encourage you as I lead you in these words, as you repeat after me, we're all going to pray with you. I want to encourage you to allow the words that you speak, not just to, just to be repeated out of some type of rote tradition, but, but let them be an expression of what, why you raised your hand. I believe on the other side of this decision, and we're going to give you some very practical steps, I believe God's going to meet you there, and I believe your best days are ahead. But first, let's pray. Church, we believe in what they're doing. Let's say this prayer all together. Everyone say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you are good, and I believe that you are God. I believe on the third day, after you were killed, I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you defeated death to give me life. Today, I receive that life. Today, I make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. Today, Jesus, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together.